Well, welcome to Sunday here at FBC. My name is Joe Andrews. If you're a guest here, I'm not usually the guy that's up here. Uh, I'm just some random guy off the street that they got today. So you're welcome. Uh, no, my name is Joe Andrews. I've uh, been here on staff for six years now, which is pretty cool. I'm the campus pastor here. Uh, I really enjoy my job, but this is, this is my favorite part of my job is I get to come and I get to share with you the word of God. And so first of all, I just want to begin by saying you guys are awesome. You guys made it to church on a Sunday. That's kind of hard to do in our culture. And uh, I mean, you guys got up this morning, you got ready, you ate probably, you got in your cars and from all of the different places that you lived, you have converged here on this building and you're here to worship the Lord. I think that's awesome. I think you guys just deserve a round of applause, but the real people who deserve the round of applause are the parents in here that had to get children here as well. That is so, so very hard. I don't know. Yeah, you go ahead. That's awesome. I don't, I don't know how it was in your family, uh, but when I was growing up, it was like Sunday mornings were like this perfect place for arguments and fights to begin. Uh, is that you? I don't know how, why everything got more complicated on Sunday mornings, but it did. I remember uh, it was probably my fault. I mean, I was the kid, all right? My brother and I, uh, we, we wouldn't want to wear what our, kid, what our parents wanted us to wear. Uh, we were always kind of lagging behind. We got to get our hair right. Everybody's fighting for the bathroom. You guys have this in your house? You're fighting for the bathroom. Everybody's in a hurry except for the kids, okay, who seem to be like God himself in the fact that they're outside of the time-space continuum continuum with your wife. She's also there. And you're just trying to get everybody to church. And it's so hard. Uh, I remember, I remember fighting with my brother on Sunday mornings. I remember fighting with my parents on Sunday mornings. It's just, it's just a hard thing, but I want to say just kudos to making it here. Uh, I think, I think it's awesome, uh, that you're here. Um, a lot of people ask me as a pastor, like why, how, how did I get called into the ministry? Uh, what, what made you want to be a pastor? What was your call? What, what does the call of God look on your life? And, uh, and, and I, I say, you know what? It kind of started with Sunday morning. So uh, I was raising kids. We're trying to get them to church and everything else. And uh, it happened that I came across somebody and they were a pastor. And they said, you know, if you're a pastor, uh, you can avoid Sunday mornings totally at home. And I said, what do you mean? And they say, well, you have to, if you're a pastor somewhere, you have to leave before anybody else is even awake. You got to get to the church and do things. And I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. I don't have to do Sunday mornings. If I'm a pastor, I was like, sign me up. And it was a Saturday night. I was like, could I be a pastor today so that tomorrow I don't have to do that? And so that's, he was like, yeah, you're a pastor. And I was like, sweet, I'll, uh, I'll be a pastor now. Um, and I, I can't, I can't say it enough to my wife. How awesome is she? She gets four kids here every single week without, with like zero help from me on Sunday morning. So she's awesome. All of the guys on staff, uh, our boss makes us work every Sunday. I don't know if you know that every Sunday he makes us be here. And, uh, all of our wives get our kids together and they get them to church and everything else. And it's awesome. So thank you, uh, to all of our, our wives for any of us who work on, uh, Sundays. So you made it here on this Sunday and we're in a series that we've been in for now. This is the fourth week and the series is called God gave them to you guard their 
hearts. And what we're hoping that you see is that you, God has gifted you with children and you are to, you have a role to play in their lives. So we started out this series with David Burroughs, our pastor, talking about how we were created in the image of God and how we were, we were created male and female for a reason. All right, then I came up and I talked about that reason. The reason we were created male and female is so that we could be married. Marriage was the reason. And then we talked about the purpose of our marriages and that was to be fruitful and multiply. I didn't put it that nice uh, the last time I was up here, if you were here, but let's just say be fruitful and multiply for, the, for, for, for today's sake, all right? Let's do that. Then Brian came last week and he talked about culture's influences on our families and how we need to not only train our kids up in the Lord, but we also need to train them to recognize things that are wrong in our culture. And he did an amazing job. And that brings us to today's message, which is called play your role. All right. So as we look at this, I want you to, to realize also that there's some things working against you and your family in this world, all right? So the very first thing that you have working against you is, is Satan. He wants to destroy your families. That's what he wants to do. Any way that he can do it, he wants to destroy the fabric of your family. Peter tells us that he is seeking around, roaming around like a lion, seeking whom he will steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he is all about. And then you have culture and your culture is also trying to instill different values than you want instilled in your family. And so you have that working against you as well. Another thing that you have working against you, I hope this isn't a spoiler alert, you're all sinners, okay? <laughs> I am too, actually, right? We're all sinners. And you know what we bring into our marriage and into our families? our sin, our sin nature. Now we have been forgiven by Christ, but we haven't stopped sinning. And so I sin as dad, as husband, my kids sin as children, my wife as a mother. And so we bring that. And so that's actually kind of working against us as well. But we have a few things working for us. We have some excellent uh, insight into what family should be from God himself, right? In scripture. The other thing that we have is God's Holy Spirit living inside of us if we've placed our faith in him. And so all is not lost, though there's a lot against the family. What I hope that you guys see more than anything else today is that families are all about relationships and right family relationships will guard your child's heart. Families are all about relationships. There's so many relationships in the family. Let's just talk about them very briefly. You have your married couple, right? The husband and the wife, they have a relationship with each other, all right? You also have the father and his relationship to the children. Then you have the mother and her relationship to the children. And then you have all the children with their relationships as well, all right? And so you have all of these different relationships. And that means with all of those different relationships, we have different roles to play. And the role in the family, your role in the family is vitally important. 
Okay, your role in your family is vitally important. And I know roles, they're, they're so different. I know that there's single mothers and single fathers in here and they're doing double duty. They're doing double roles. I know that there's blended families. I know that there's separated families. I come from a separated family. I know all of the different family dynamics that are involved. But whatever your role is in the family, whether it's father, mother, or child, grandparent, great-grandparent, whatever it is, it's vitally important to your family. We're going to look at an amazing letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. We're only going to be in a few verses, but I want to give you a little context before we jump into what Paul says uh, to the people in Ephesus. Now, if you remember, Paul is actually in prison in Rome when he writes this letter to the Ephesians. All right, the Ephesians are in the city called Ephesus. Ephesus is modern day Turkey, but it's just one city of modern day Turkey, okay? And so, uh, so he's writing to them. And the reason that he's writing to them is in Acts 19, he actually plants a church there. Did you know that Paul lived in Ephesus, planting this church, spreading the gospel and doing all of these things for over two years. And so when he sits down to write this letter, he's writing to his friends. He's writing to his church family, in essence. I mean, these are people that he loved and that he knew and that he was excited about. And he's also writing to them in the middle of the Roman culture in which they live, okay? This was a huge Roman hub, okay? And the Roman culture was not like a Christian culture and the Roman culture was not like a Jewish culture. It was very, very different. It was hostile, towards families. And we'll look at how it was hostile towards families here in a little bit. But in the book of Ephesians, what he does is he, he wants to encourage them, obviously, in their walks with the Lord, but he also wants to remind them that they were saved out of that culture and out of sin, and they have a new life now. And so he says, put off the old self. That was in the Roman culture. That was a sinful self. And now put on the righteousness that... Christ has bought for you on the cross, your new self. So don't act like your old self in the old culture, act like your new self in this new Christian culture. And it's a beautiful picture. And so now he wants to address the family within that scope. He says, listen, your family isn't to look like your family looked a long time ago, before you were believers. Now it should look like this. And this is what he's gonna set up for us right now. So what I wanna do is we're gonna read a little bit at a time, and then we're gonna talk about it for a little bit. And we're gonna start in Ephesians 5.33. This is what it says. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now he's just spent all of chapter five talking about God's relationship to the church. And in that he was saying your marriage should kind of shadow that. Just as Christ loved the church, husbands are supposed to love their wives. And just as the church respects the husband, so uh, the, so the uh, I'm sorry, the church respects Christ, so uh, the wife is to respect her husband. And so you have this really neat relationship that is actually supposed to shadow our relationship with God. Now, uh, parents are to love and respect each other. That's what parents are supposed to do. They're supposed to love and respect each other. This is very countercultural, okay? 
In Paul's time when he wrote this, the Roman culture was not like this. In fact, your children and your wife, if you were a husband, were your property, okay? At birth, they would bring the child to the father's feet. If the, if the father walked away from the child, the child would be disposed of. If he picked up the child, it was saying, okay, I will raise this child. In the same way, husbands with their wives in that culture, uh, the wives were just property, all right? If the husband wanted to lock the wife out of the house for a few days, he could do it. If he wanted to get rid of her, he could do it. If he wanted to kill her, he could do it. If he wanted to divorce her, he could do it. If he wanted to separate for a while, she had zero rights. And he could get away with all of this legally as well. He wouldn't have any repercussions for doing any of those things. So when Paul writes to the Ephesian church about family, and he says that husbands are to love their wives, this was a novel idea. Nobody had ever heard anything like this in the Roman culture. This was distinctly Christian. And he uses the word agape, and I know we've talked a lot about that word. I wanna just refresh your memory. Agape is a selfless love. So he's saying, husbands, love your wives selflessly. Put their needs ahead of your own. It's an unconditional love. It's the same love that Christ has for his church. And Paul uses the word agape. He says, husbands, agape your wives. That word agape is actually not found but a couple times outside of scripture. It's distinctly Christian. So everybody knew exactly what he was talking about. And then he also says, wives, you are to respect your husbands, just like the church respects the Lord because of his love. Because of the husband's love, you are to respect him. The husbands take the lead in this and the wives will respect the husbands. Now, just because he said wives do this and husbands do that does not mean that they weren't supposed, like the husband isn't supposed to re re uh, respect the wife or the wife isn't supposed to love the husband. No, it's a mutual relationship, all right? And it was so very different than any of the relationships uh, that the Romans would have had. It's different than a lot of the relationships uh, that we have right now in our culture. I mean, if you wanna see kind of the antithesis of what we're talking about right now, a marriage colored with love and respect, why don't you get on YouTube and watch the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial? <laughs> My goodness, talk, talk about a lack of love. You have a relationship based on hate and contempt with drugs, with alcohol. They could have used some of the advice that Paul gives the Ephesian church here. Johnny, love Amber, Amber. Respect Johnny. Leave a mint on his pillow, nothing else. <laughs> Let's read Ephesians 6, one through three. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Children are to honor and obey their parents. Paul says, that's right. Children are to honor and obey their parents. Again, this is 
countercultural. I want to say that the word that Paul uses here for child is the word techna. And it doesn't, I think every time we hear this, obey your parents in the Lord, I think we think of these little ones, right? In Sunday school, remember, obey your parents, or if we just want them to do something, remember, uh, obey your parents. And I think that's what we usually think. But uh, if you look at this passage, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Okay, so we're not talking about a tiny little child. We're talking about someone who has already placed their faith in the Lord, all right? Someone who is still under their, their parents' care. Now, it, can it include little children? Absolutely. But I think we only think of the little children. We can think bigger than that. We can even uh, assume that these are older children in the care of their parents still. We could even take it one step further and just say, the children of anyone should still obey their parents, right? And honor their parents in the things that they do. That word obey is, uh, is a word that means to hear and to act, okay? So the, the children are to hear what their parents say and act on it. I think we kind of get that mixed up sometimes. I think in our culture, we think uh, that you just have to do this with, and it, your attitude doesn't matter or anything like that. But Paul says, no, you're supposed to do it with honor. You're supposed to honor them. That should be your attitude as you hear and act out what your parents say. I know I was probably one of those kids that did what my parents said sometimes, but I didn't have the right attitude a lot of the time. Parents are to, sorry, children are to honor and obey their parents. I think one of the best ways that I could kind of show you this in action is to tell you about something that happened to me in Argentina a long time ago. We were living in Santiago del Estero, uh, the poorest province in all of Argentina. And we're in the interior at this tiny little village. We're in a church service. We're pouring sweat. There's mosquitoes everywhere. It's hard for us to understand everything that the preacher is saying because we're still a little new to Spanish. And so there's a woman right in front of us who has a child. The child's kind of running around the mom, just like children do. It's not, not really a big deal. It was pretty normal. Uh, and then this kid starts throwing a fit because he wanted some candy. All right. And I don't know about how old he was, maybe four. And uh, he's throwing a fit. The mom's like, no, I'm not giving you candy. Uh, and the kid's like trying to deal with it the best that he can. Then he just gets mad. And he's sitting on his mother's lap and facing his mom. So just right here. And he's had enough. He is ready to be done with the whole candy discussion. So he reaches back as far as he can and he slaps his mom across the face, like Will Smith style, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, Leanne and I were like, oh my goodness, how is this mom going to discipline this child in church during the sermon because this kid needs it? And so we're just like, we're not, we don't, we're not even paying attention to the sermon anymore. We're like, what's happening here? What's gonna happen right here? And so this is what happens. The mom reaches as far back as she can into her pocket and she pulls out a piece of candy and she gave it to her child. <laughs> Leanne fainted. She was gone. <laughs> My jaw was on the floor. I could not, we couldn't believe what we were seeing. We couldn't believe that this child had trained his mother to obey and honor him. That's the opposite of what we're talking about. Children are to honor and obey their parents. Paul didn't write the Ephesian church and say, parents, obey and honor your children. 
you think about it, that's really what's happening in our culture right now. Whatever the kid wants, the kid gets. Kid wants to make, the seven-year-old wants to make a life-altering, body-altering decision that will, that will have an impact on them for the rest of their lives. And what are parents saying? Absolutely, let's go ahead. No, that's wrong. We're the parents, we don't obey them. We have to protect them from making those decisions that their immature minds can't quite comprehend yet. They can make those decisions when they're, when they're out of your house and not in your care, but as they're in your house, you have the responsibility to help them obey and honor you. And you will make those decisions for them to protect them, to guard their hearts. Don't, you can't do this. That will have lasting impact. So I'm making this decision for you. Parents, step up to the plate. This is the time where you have to make those decisions. It's not just the seven-year-old, it's your 17-year-old that's under your care. Sometimes they wanna do things that are gonna impact the rest of their lives and they're not even thinking about that. You have to guard their hearts by making those decisions for them and saying, no, not here. It doesn't work like that. What is right, Paul says, is when you obey and honor me, your parent. Let's read chapter six, verse four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Fathers are not to anger their children. Okay, now Paul is talking to fathers here, quite obviously, but remember the culture that he was in. He could only talk to the fathers. There wasn't a, a situation in which he could talk to the mothers about how to raise their children in the Lord and things like that. It just wasn't how it happened back then. But that doesn't mean that mothers shouldn't be involved in the same thing. So mothers should also not anger their children. Now, that doesn't mean you can't say something to your child that will anger them, okay? It, my existence, I think, sometimes angers my children, right? I have teenagers now. I, got, I, I almost have two, but I have one right now. Anyways, so uh, anything that we say, if, if they don't want to do, they get angry. That's not what we're talking about. This is a continual pattern of beating your children down. Something that makes them feel worthless. Every chance you get, you just stick it to them a little more because you think they deserve it and they don't. What they need is to be trained to do right. And when they do wrong, they need to be disciplined in a correct way. And then they need to be encouraged to continue on and do right. And I, gosh, I have to do this too, right? When I do wrong, in fact, it happened this week while I was preparing this message. This is one of those messages where you're like, all right, as a dad, I got to get up there and tell everybody how to be a perfect dad. And I'm not a perfect dad. And so I had done something with, with, to my son. I had said something to him and I went to him uh, later that night and I said, I should not have said it that way. I am so sorry. I want to be this kind of a dad, not this kind of a dad. I want to train you up. I want to help you and encourage you. But I, I kind of smashed you down. And that's what we do sometimes as parents. Let's read the second half of verse four. But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Don't anger your children, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. That's what Paul says. 
You should be bringing up your children in discipline, which is training, and when they do wrong, discipline, and then continue that training. All right? Understanding that things aren't perfect with children like they're not perfect with us. That word instruction is not just to teach some things, it's also to teach motives for the reasons we do the things that we do. So instruct them, we do these things because they're right, because God set it up like this for our good. And you talk about motives like honoring your parents and things like that. And that's exactly what he had in mind. This is what Brian talked about last week. Training your children up, giving them an education in the things of the Lord. So what I want to do now is I want to go back kind of and look at this, these verses kind of in an overall way. And I want to challenge you as parents, grandparents, single parents, however your parents, all right, or even if you're not parents to see family and what it should be, but also to challenge you to raise your children in the right way. So the very first thing I want you to see is your relationship with your spouse can guard your child's heart. We talked about marriage guarding our child's heart. Okay. But the relationship in that marriage can also guard your child's heart. The opposite would also be true. Your marriage relationship could damage or wound your child's heart, depending on how you treat each other. Our culture has devalued and redefined marriage so many times over that now it's almost seen like it's a curse. Like, no, 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 don't get married. You don't want to do that. One person for the rest of your life, don't, don't do that. You don't want to do the whole family thing. Don't, don't do that. And then culture is now changing roles within the family and mommies should do daddy things and daddy should do mommy things. Now, this last week, we heard someone say that dads can get pregnant and have abortions. Okay, that is not correct. And we need to be the people that see that these things can hurt our families. And so when marriage is devalued like that, when our roles are devalued like that, our society is in deep trouble. So I want to ask you, how do you treat your spouse? God made you one. Do you act like you're one with your spouse? Or not? Is your relationship guarding your child's heart? Or do they see mom and dad fighting and bickering and they see verbal abuse and other kinds of abuses that will wound their hearts? We need to be parents who value and love and respect our spouses. Here's the next thing that I want you to see. Your relationship with your kids can draw them closer to you. Your relationship with, their, with your kids can actually draw them into you. How you treat them, the way that you respond to them can actually draw them closer to you. But the opposite then would also be true. Your relationship with your kids can push them away from you, which is probably the last thing that you want. I know there's people in my family, grown adult children who don't speak to their grown adult mothers and fathers. I know you have that in your, in your family situations as well. Don't make it hard for your kids to be your kids. Make it easy for them. Make them want to be your kids. Make them love you by the way that you respond to them. Guide, guard your child's heart so that it's always with you and never away from you. 
Let's talk about one other thing. Your relationship with your kids can draw them closer to God. All right, the way that you relate to your children can actually draw them closer to the Lord. That would be when you come to church and you hear uh, about how to follow Christ and you implement that in your family and you, you're an example of that to your children. Your children are trying to do the same thing and it's an awesome thing. And, and they think, you know what? God is good. Look at all the good that's coming from following Jesus. But the opposite could also be true, right? Your relationship with your kids can push them far away from God. How would that happen? Well, it could happen a lot of ways. If you treat their mother wrong, or you treat their father wrong, or you treat them wrong, and then you come to church and pretend like everything's good, and then you go home and there's abuse and things like that, and nobody can see that you're actually a Christian even though you say you are, I don't know of a quicker way to get your kids to think, I don't really wanna be anywhere near the church or people that say that they're Christians or even God. And we can push them away from God, but we can also draw them in. Don't make it hard for your kids to follow Jesus. Make it easy for them. Make them want the relationship that you have with the Lord. Here's the last thing I want to say. Failing to bring up your children in the Lord is actively letting culture bring them up. If you fail in training up your children in the instruction and the discipline of the Lord, the culture is more than happy to step in and do your job for you. And they'll do it a totally different way than you're expecting. In fact, they're doing it now. They're trying to instill values in our children by the movies that we watch, by the cartoons that they watch, by the schools that they go to, by the people that they interact with, by the radio that they listen to, by the songs that they listen to. Our culture is trying to teach our kids something that we don't want taught to our kids. And if we let that happen, we're gonna find that our children grow up and they're gonna have values that we never thought in a million years that they would have. So we need to train them up. So I was trying to think, how can we make some of this a little more practical for you? There's a, a book written by D. Whitney. It's called Family Worship. All, it's, all it is is about getting your family together and worshiping with them. And he says this, do this, read a small passage of scripture, pray, and then sing. That's it, read, pray, sing. Any one of you could do that. You could start it tonight. You could be the one that says, we're gonna do a family worship. We've never done it before, but let's, let's give it a shot. Or maybe we don't do it often enough. I think I fall into that one. We don't do it often enough. I need to step up and do that a little more. There's another book um, that's a devotional book that would help you if you wanna take your kids through the New Testament. It's, it has everything written out. It has the passage and then it has some questions. It even has a little prayer at the end. All you have to do is read it because I know some of us feel so ill-equipped to do this. Uh, I'll have the book for you next week. It didn't arrive uh, yet, but it's called Old Story New. It's awesome. We also have a book out there among all of the other books that we're selling right now uh, that's called she uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart which is pretty much exactly what we titled this series, but we said guard a child's heart. So if you're looking for kind of a, a manual and how to raise up your children, you can go and you can pick up that resource. But listen, I know that we probably all feel like we've messed up in some way or another here. So let's not worry about what's happened in the past. Let's start from where we are now. And let's, if, we're, if we've forsaken one of our roles, 
let's get that back now. If we've messed up in some way, let's start trying to fix that now. You don't have to, you can't go back into time. You can't fix everything. But what we can do is we can start from this day forward, valuing marriage and our roles in our families like we need to. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so very much for who you are in our lives, who you are in our families. God, would you help us protect our children? Would you help us guard their hearts? Would you help us be the parents, the children, the husbands, the wives that we need to be? Something that goes against what culture says, but has to do with what you say. God, some of us feel so powerless and in a hopeless situation. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that will lead and guide us to do this the best that we can for our kids. In Jesus' name.